0: Try and be brave and cut back the chemical fertilizer that you're spreading on it to get the benefit from it and that's really what it's all about is reducing the level of chemical fertilizer and overall increasing performance and profitability of the system
1: Hello and welcome to this joint episode of the beef edge and ovicast podcast i'm catherine egan host of the Chuggas beef podcast
2: and i'm Kieran lynch host of ovicast the chuggers sheep podcast this week's episode we bring you a joint episode on all things clover i'm delighted to be joined by dr mike egan Chuggas researcher Discuss tips and advice on incorporating white clover into your dry stock system.
1: Mike, you're very welcome. With the price of chemical fertiliser this spring, is clover an option on dry stock farms?
0: Yeah, I think even regardless of the price of fertiliser, I think clover is definitely an option on, on all grass-based systems, uh, dairy, beef and sheep. Uh, and I suppose that's really been driven by the environmental concerns that are there at the moment and, as you said, the rising cost of fertiliser. Um we can get huge significant reductions in chemical fertilizer by 100 to 150 kilos of chemical nitrogen per hectare and that's coming from clover's ability to fix ke- nitrogen from the atmosphere and make it available in the soil to the plant so that's suppose on the chemical side or the the chemical nitrogen reduction side and then we have the the environmental emissions uh, gains with that as well but i suppose the third point then is the the benefit that we can get from the animal white clover is a very nutritious plant it has a higher crude protein lower fiber and as a result, we can get greater increases in animal dry matter intake, which can lead to an overall increase in animal performance by in the region of 10 to 15 percent um, increase in animal performance from, from having clover in this world. So it's definitely an option for for all farm and farmers and particularly dry stock farmers as well.
1: How does clover actually work, Mike?
0: Yeah, so... Clover is a is a is the part of the legume family, and there's a couple of different legumes there, but I suppose white clover is probably the one that's most suited to our systems. So in terms of its nitrogen fixing ability uh, white clover has is a is a unique plant in terms of its growth structure, so it has generally what we all see in this ward is above the ground it has three leaves and a white flower, and that's what the animals graze and in terms of that part of the plant, it has a because it has nitrogen fixing ability, it has a higher nitrogen content or higher crude protein content in this ward. And because it has no stem per se in the plant, it has a lower fibre content in this ward as well. So that's what's giving us the animal production benefit, that above ground stuff that we all see. But typically what we don't see is what's happening below the ground. And at the base of those uh, white clover plants and the pithials that we see above the ground, we have what's called a stolon. And those solons run al- along the surface of the ground or just below the surface of the ground, and on those we have small little root no- root structures. and in those root structures then we have what's called root nodules. And that root nodules is where all of the nitrogen fixation ability occurs. So the white clover has an ability to take air. Uh, Nitrogen from the atmosphere, so the the, the atmosphere is made up of greater than 70% nitrogen. So the the clover has the ability to take that nitrogen in through the leaf from the surface, bring it down through the pithel, into the stolen, and down into the root nodule. And in that root nodule, we have what's called rhizobia bacteria that the plant gets from the soil. uh, And that rhizobia bacteria effectively infects the root nodules. And that's the bacteria that converts that Uh, atmospheric nitrogen into a plant usable source and that's stored then in the root nodules of the base of the plant and then as the root nodules die and decay which happens across the year that nitrogen that's stored in those root nodules is then released into the soil that can be used then by the clover and the companion species to grow grass and that allows us to reduce the chemical fertiliser.
2: Mike, there's huge benefits having clover in the sward. I suppose one of the challenges on dry stock farms is typically we see very low clover content in swards. And really, in most cases, it probably only goes in with reseeds.
0: Yeah, so it is. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we see out there. And, and there's a lot of talk about clover at the moment, but one of the big challenges we do have is, is getting it on farm. And if we look historically, the, the, the last three years, there's been a huge renewed interest in it. But historically, 80% of all grass seed mixes sold all off the shelf had clover included in the seed mixture. So if if nothing else, if if we're seeding on average between six and 8% of the national farm has been, or national grassland has been receded every year, we should see a significant increase in the amount of clover that's been established in these farms because clover included in all the seed mixes. But that's not the case. So there's something happening around the establishment point that's not actually portraying into actually high clover content in the swarms. And I suppose that's down to probably a couple of key things. And particularly in, in a reseeded sward, the, the the post-sowing management in terms of the, the weed control, the grazing management and the soil fertility of those paddocks that's sown. It's probably three, three things that we need to delve into and probably pay, pay closer attention to in terms of what's happening around the establishment point in that. And then you have then your over-sowing management as well. And, and we'll go through that in a minute. But. I suppose what we need, clover is a very sensitive plant. So in terms of getting a good establishment, regardless of what method you're using, because of its very shallow root structure and because it has its nitrogen fixation ability, it's a very energy hungry plant. And if we don't have the correct soil fertility at time of establishment, we won't, at time of sowing, sorry, we won't get a strong enough plant establishment to persist into this ward to allow that go forward. And when I talk about soil fertility, I'm talking about Optimum soil pH, so minimum six point three and ideally six point five. So again, that soil pH is essential for that rhizobia bacteria that infect the root nodules that actually allow for the nitrogen fixation ability. And then minimum index three and ideally index four for P's and K's. So again, P is essential for for tap root development, which happens in the first six months of the plant's life. And then K is essential for long term store on production going across the year and that would actually that's what actually gives rise to the persistence of the plant so if we don't have the optimum soil fertility at time of sowing we're really up against uh, an uphill battle from from day one gear.
2: if we look at the option of trying to incorporate it into existence warts, which is probably where a lot of this effort needs to be put in field selection Mike, obviously is going to have a big impact on so soil fertility is one you touch on weeds as well like how big of an issue would that be for trying to get over sown back in again
0: Yeah, so like if if we look at the two methods of establishment, reseeding and oversowing. So if we just focus on oversowing, first of all, so effectively what that is, is you're establishing a a new clover seed into an already established and actively growing grass sward. And that in itself is a challenge straight away so but if we don't have the optimum soil fertility again we're, we're really up an, an uphill battle so can you're going looking at the option of over sowing and it is a very successful method of doing it if it's done right but we need to get the paddock selection right so number one is optimum soil fertility and that's optimal soil fertility at time of sowing not going to address it at the same time as you're sowing so it has to be that 6.3 to 6.5 soil ph and index threes and fours for P and K at sowing time, not being correct at that time. That's the first one. Second one then is we're putting clover seed out into the sward. And for any seed, we need soil seed contact. So if you have a very, very dense sward, it is a lot more difficult to get that soil seed contact. So the more open swords, typically a more recently receded swords are low level of weed grass or kind of weed level in the sward. it typically have your more open sword. So your more open swords are more suited to oversowing because you get that soil seed contact. And then having a low level of weeds in the sward as well. So there's no point in going over sowing clover into a sward that has a, a dock issue or a thistle issue or a nettle issue, whatever it is. That needs to be sorted first before we go looking at oversowing. And just even with that controlling weeds with non-clover safe sprays there is what's called a residual effect so non-clover safe sprays will kill this the clover if there's clover in the plant But the residual or that active ingredient, the chemical active ingredient that will kill the clover can stay active in the soil for up to, depending on the product, for between two and six months before you're actually that active has gone out of the soil. So if you have a weed problem, that weed problem needs to be sorted for between two and six months, depending on the product that you're using before you go over sowing clover. So in terms of getting your paddock selection and soil fertility, Open high ryegrass content swards and low level of weed gra- weed content in the swards before you go looking at oversown gearing.
2: So in some ways, Mike, we could be preparing the field for next year, this year. Yes. There is a, there is that preparation work needs to go into it first.
0: Yeah, you can't just go and say, right, I'm going to oversow this paddock in the morning. You need to have prep work. So look at if it has and, and I'm not saying don't go and oversow a paddock in the morning. If the, the criteria in terms of Optimum soil fertility, no weeds in the sward and high ryegrass open swards. If you have a paddock that meets that criteria in the morning, fantastic, go and do it. But if you don't, put a plan in place now to try and get those paddocks ready for next year. So putting out lime, putting out your slurry and your P&K this year or sorting any weed problem that may be there. So it does meet that kind of checklist for next spring.
2: Okay, Talk to me a little bit about timing in terms of best time to sow and kind of what rates we should be sowing at. For yeah, going so over-sowing.
0: In, in over-sowing, we have a very short window of over-sowing in terms of, of when we're doing it, and, and it varies slightly across the country. But you are talking the month of, of April, give or take, uh, the last couple of weeks in March or the first two weeks to 10 days in, in May. And the reason is soil moisture. So when we look at, and as, I, I'm in charge of the Clover 150 on-farm programme, and we have... It's its majority made up of dairy farms, but there are a proportion of dairy, or beef and and sheep farms in it as well. But when we look at the oversown data coming from those paddocks that are oversown in April up until the from let we'll say the 25th of March to the 5th of May so paddocks that are oversown in that window we get the best clover establishment Pat, once we go into the into May and later on in May um, and into June we get a much lower level of clover establishment in those paddocks by oversown. and the main re- reason for that is soil moisture um, and that's why I'm saying it varies across the country but if you're in a region that burns up very early in in early June, that clover seed needs to be in the ground six weeks beforehand. Um, or if you have a paddock or f- farm that doesn't burn up at all, you can go slightly into later April or very early May. But again, you're talking about six weeks before you run into a moisture deficit, soil moisture deficit, in terms of having that clover plant. And typically, your, April is probably the, the safest month for doing that. And when we look at paddocks that were over in April versus paddocks that were oversown in May, there's a 6% difference in sward clover content coming from the commercial farms that we're working at the moment. So again, higher 6% higher clover content in paddocks sown in April versus May.
2: So it has a big impact. Look, Mike. In the past, some farmers have tried to sow clover just broadcasting it out on paddocks, or maybe mixing it with slurry to apply after a cut on paddocks. Had very limited success. You might just take us through why that
0: was the case. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing you need when when you're overseeding is that seed, as well as the paddock selection that we touched on a while ago. But that seed needs to touch the soil, um, and. Typically, in, in sheep grazing swards, they are a more dense nature. So if you go broadcasting seed with uh, in very dense sheep swards or, or beef swards, that seed are not guaranteed soil seed contact. So by broadcasting it, it's a lot more variable in terms of your that soil seed contact. And in terms of slurry application, I would tend to keep away from slurry application. With it. And I know it's convenient at times, but the problem is, you're going out of 2000 gallons to the acre, you can't really control the amount of seed that's going out equally across that acre when you're spreading the 2000 gallons of slurry. And the second point then is, is that you're not going to get soil seed contact. And if the slurry is any way thick, it's going to coat the seed and smother it. So I would, I would typically try and avoid applying clover with a slurry spreader mixed into the slurry. Um, and the, so, and back to the broadcasting in. So, if you if you don't get that soil seed contact, it's very variable. So, there's a couple of different methods of oversewing. So, you can broadcast it, or you can stitch it in. And there's varying different types of machines that stitch it in. There's iron box, there's gutlers, there's uni drills, and there's different versions of these machines. But there's tine harrow type ones, or ones that cut the slit, and then the, the gutler has the the furrow press roller on the back of it. So, typically, if with sheep swards, are and and some of the work coming out of uh, Athan Rye with Philip Greeton would suggest that. To get successful oversewing with sheep swards, you do need to go in with some sort of cultivation method, whether it be the Tine Harrow Einbach Rakeman type machine or the Gutler Unidrill Moor Drill type machine, that you do get some level of soil disturbance and you're going to get a ripping of the sward to try and open the sward up a little bit more uh, versus just the broadcasting out. So you probably are better going with some sort of cultivation method in your denser sheep grazing swards.
2: It needs a bit of intervention, just in terms of prep for that. And you you covered the method today, but how tight should that be grazed beforehand? The kind of swore we're going into that's going to have a bit of an impact on how successful that mechanical intervention is going to have as well,
0: yeah. So, obviously, th- the biggest thing with over sowing is soil seed contact. And if you have a high residual or a post grazing spore type left in the paddock, when you before you over sow it, the chance of getting that good soil seed contact are greatly reduced, even if using some of the cultivation methods, the the gutlers or the iron box or the the Um, so Realistically, you need a tight post-grazing sword height of four centimeters or less post-grazing sword height. And the tighter the better, because you're opening up the sword and you're reducing the regrowth of that sword and you're allowing that light down to the base of the sword. So it needs soil seed contact and light to the base of the sword. And the only way to guarantee that is a low post-grazing sword height. Um and again, that's the best way to do it. So ideally after a surplus cut of bales, because it's very clean, or after a very tight grazing in April, go in straight away and do it. And in terms of seeding rates in, in oversowing, we're probably typically somewhere around between two and three kilos. Uh, closer to three kilos for for sheep grazing swords and closer to the two, two and a half kilos for for, for larger cattle grazing swords, just because of their density of their nature. Whereas in a reseed, you're talking a kilo and a half to two kilos more open sword
2: suits just Mike in terms of varieties what suits best for those systems for grazing systems
0: yeah so look the, the and look there's going to be an issue with varieties again this year but in terms of, of varieties you're looking at your your small and your medium leaf cultivars for your very intensive grazing sheep grazing swords you're probably erring towards the the smaller or the smaller end of the medium leaf cultivars uh, and whereas your for your your beef grazing swords um you're you're probably looking at your your medium leaf cultivars so the likes of your uh your smalls would be your Alice Galway and um cool Finn. Uh, and then your your medium leaf cultivars you have Aberhurled, um Chieftain Crusader, or Buddy Iona um and there's a, there's a range of them there at the, at, at the time as well so again you're looking at your medium and your small leaf cultivars um, your large leaf cultivars are more suited for a silage grazing sport rather than an intensive grazing sport so I would try and avoid your large ones but keep it your mediums and your smalls
1: Mike, really establishment is only part of the process and management of the clover sward is very important and sometimes overlooked. How should grass clover sward be yeah, managed? Yeah, I
0: suppose that there's probably two things we look at when we're, when we're managing it. So the the, the management of establishing swards and the management of established swards. So when we look at it an, and we didn't really talk about... Oh, Reseeding with Kieran, but the principles for reseeding with a grass clover sport or grass only sport are the exact same thing. It's only you're going with a clover safe herbicide uh, and make sure there's a clover safe herbicide on your fully reseeded clover sports. But the management of those sports, whether they be reseeded or oversown afterwards, is vital. So even if you get the paddock selection right and the soil seed contact and your methodology put out right and the right sowing rate, the, the most important element after that is light down to the base of the sport. Clover needs light for establishing and when it is established. And the only way we can do that is low post-grazing sport height and low pre-grazing covers. So in terms of uh, pre-grazing covers for the for the following, in the establishment year, we want to avoid heavy cuts of silage or any cuts of silage in the first year of a reseeded or oversown sport. In terms of the final grazing later on in the year, we want to make sure it's closed, grazed later on in the final rotation so it has a low cover on it over the winter. And realistically, we want to be grazing it at somewhere between 800 to 1100 of a pre-grazing cover or somewhere between six to seven centimetres of a pre-grazing sward height uh, on those swards for the first six to eight months in the establishment phase. Once those wards are established then for the following year, they still need light down to basis ward. White clover doesn't really like silage cuts taken off it because it reduces the amount of light down to basis ward. And that's why your larger and your red leaf and, and red clover are more suited for silage mixes. So again, frequent tight grazing. So Set stocking or, or uh, continuous grazing of, of white clover sports doesn't really suit because or for, for the grass component either, because it doesn't leave the plant a chance to rejuvenate its energy reserves that it gets from sunlight uh, in, in the rest period. So ideally, you're talking about a post grazing sward height of four centimetres, pre grazing sward height of the, between eight to 10 centimetres. A frequent grazing of somewhere around 20 to 22, 23, 24 days in the middle of the year and avoiding heavy cuts of silage. So again, we don't want to let heavy covers build up on it. We don't want to let high residuals build up on it or taking heavy cuts of silage off it because what that will do is we'll reduce the amount of stolons that we have at the base of this world and that stolons is where everything comes from, the below the nodules below the ground that fix the nitrogen and then the the herbage in the yield that gives us the animal production benefits afterwards. And that's what allows us to reduce the chemical fertiliser on those wards.
1: Really a good infrastructure and paddock system is essential then, Mike, when it comes to incorporating or receiving Yeah, so re- really,
0: when we look at clover, we are talking about a rotational grazing system on it. And if you don't have that infrastructure in place, paddock grazing, you um, your you're, you're grow it in three weeks, graze it in three days type of scenario, it is going to be very difficult to maintain, establish it, number one, and maintain it in the sport long term as well. So good grazing infrastructure that you can put the animals in to graze it and then to keep them off and give it that three-week rest period. That three-week rest period is vital to allow it build up its energy reserves in the plant, to allow it to build up its root nodules and the nitrogen fixation abilities of that as well. And continuous stocking doesn't allow that.
1: From a fertiliser point of view, Mike, what fertiliser should the clover grass sward get from May onwards once it's receded?
0: Yeah, so look, if you're receding swards this year, you still need some level of chemical fertiliser on it because there is that little bit of a a, a lag in terms of the the nitrogen, the the clover plant going through its distinct establishment phases. Um, So I'm not saying to go at high levels of chemical fertiliser, but you you do need some level of of chemical fertiliser. And if you do, can go out at P some sort of pea fertilizer it does help in that establishment year so if a paddock has been reseeded or over sown this spring i would say you're going with half of what you would normally spread in that in that period in intervening period and use some sort of compound fertilizer to allow that taproot development but once you have an established clover sport wh- Typically, and, and so all of the work would suggest growing high levels of dry matter in in Athenry and in Grange and in Johnstone Castle, they're getting away with between 50 and 75 kilos of of chemical nitrogen per hectare per year. And most of that has been front loaded. So all of that nitrogen has been applied in in March, April and May and then from June onwards, there is little to zero chemical fertilizer going out on those swords that have adequate clover content. So kind of hitting that 20-25% spore clover content, that's when we see the big benefit in terms of nitrogen fixation. So you can apply that nitrogen early on in spring and then you're going with very low to none rates of chemical fertilizer from mid-May onwards. Because that's typically when we get the highest clover content and the highest nitrogen fixation ability during that period.
2: Mike, you're just touching on something there. like that clover plant's ability to fix nature in the first year is more limited. Just maybe take us through that and what happens in subsequent years with it.
0: Yeah, so the uh, white clover and red clover, they're, and we didn't really touch on red clover, but I'm not going to get into too much detail, but they're, they're two legume plants, but they're vastly different plants. So if you look at, at red clover and the reason it's so suited to a silage grazing sward is because it has one central taproot and the plant goes up into the air, and all of that. It just develops this taproot and the nodules are on that taproot from day one or as soon as the plant starts to establish. And that's how it survives. It doesn't have any stolons, And that's why it doesn't persist under grazing, because it is the growing point is above the ground. White clover has to go through three distinct phases from establishment to being a fully fledged independent plant. So it goes through the rosette phase that can last anywhere between two to three months. And what that is, once the clover seed germinates, it has to develop a central taproot structure below the ground and then it starts to put up leaves above the ground. And that's kind of that kind of two month, to three month period. And during that period, it doesn't have any stolons or it's just beginning to develop stolons later on during that rosette phase. After two to three months, it moves from the rosette phase to what's called the expansion phase. And this is when it starts to develop stolons, that is typically what you see in the, in the basis of this ward, and that gives its full-time um, establishment afterwards. So from months two or three onwards, it develops these network of stolons at the ground uh, coming from that central taproot. And after eight months, that central taproot then dies. So whereas in the red clover plant, the central taproot stays alive as long as the plant is in this ward whereas white clover that central taproot only stays alive for between eight to ten months typically it's gone after about eight months um but somewhere between eight to ten months and then that's when the the stolons are fully developed but during that month from month three to month eight during that expansion phase when it's developing its stolons that's when the root nodules begin to develop on the white clover plant whereas in the red clover plant they're there from uh, the first month to six weeks so Not that it doesn't fix nitrogen during that first year. It's just there is a lag in terms of when the nitrogen is released into the soil. Whereas in the red clover, it doesn't have to go through those three phases. It can release the nitrogen into the soil straight away. The white clover has that kind of lag phase of when the nitrogen is released into the soil. And that's why some level of chemical fertilizer is important for the grass component of the plant. Because the white clover uses the nitrogen itself, it's not releasing any of that nitrogen into the soil therefore then it actually, it, it leaves the soil at, or the grass component at a disadvantage. So some level of chemical fertilizer during that year. But then from the second year and subsequent years on, what happens is the stolen network is there. The clover content is lowest in spring when temperatures are lower. It increases then from May, it, it, it has a peak in July, August, and then it falls off then in September into November again. And the nitrogen fixation ability of that plant follows that same trend so there's lower levels of of nitrogen fixation in the spring that's why we front load our chemical fertilizer when temperatures rise up then coming in may and clover content is beginning to increase that's when we see a significant increase the amount of nitrogen that's been fixed by the plant and then later on then into the year it starts to decline then from october onwards and that's when the nitrogen fixation ability declines so it's very similar to the grass growth curve but probably only about two months later in terms of its nitrogen fixation and that's why that nitrogen in spring is is vital in terms of your grass clover sports.
2: Okay. So we just need to be realistic about its potential enough for season.
0: Yeah, and, and not to say that it doesn't fix nitrogen. It's the release into the soil that is the issue. Um and if to go with you You can go at zero level of chemical fertilizer in the first year, but what can happen is you can get a very high or dominant clover sward because the grass is struggling for nitrogen because it doesn't release the nitrogen straight away. It uses itself and then it releases it. And the the grass component of of the plant can be nitrogen hungry and can struggle as a result of it. So you don't need very high levels of chemical fertilizer, but some level of chemical fertilizer early on in the establishment year.
1: My concern farmers might have is the risk of bloat. How could yeah. that be avoided?
0: yeah, so look at it. And it's probably back to the the level of clover in the sward, so bloat can potentially be an issue, and probably more so on on larger ruminants than on on sheep grazing swards. It's still something you need to be vigilant for, but it's not as as much of an issue on sheep as it would be on on dairy or beef cattle um so what it is is when animals are grazing the clover sward it is. Because it has a higher crude protein and a lower fiber content, it digests or breaks down in the rumen faster than a grass component or silage would in the in the rumen. And as a result, then the buildup of gas is faster. And actually, it is the the buildup of gas is faster than what the animal is able to expel. Um, and as a result, then it blocks up the whole system and, and can and can crush the animal from the inside. So it happens typically when you have high clover content paddocks very low levels of dry matter, so after grass or on a damp, drizzly, wet morning, uh, excessively hungry animals coming in to graze that sward when they're put into the paddock the first day are not as much of an issue, but something that needs to be kept aware of as well is animals that are moving from, you've receded two paddocks, you have very good levels of clover, but the other 90% of your farm has no clover on it, so they're not used to grazing clover. And when you come into those clover paddocks after being on grass-only paddocks for the last two to three weeks, they can kind of guard themselves on the clover and the rumen isn't adjusted to it. So they're probably the four key things that we need to keep aware of. Once we're aware of those high risks or high levels of clover content, I would say anything above 40%, aftergrass, low dry matter grass, low pre-grazing covers, damp, drizzly, wet mornings and uh, excessively hungry animals and not being used to grazing clover. So once we're aware of those, we can kind of prevent it as much as possible. So there's two ways of preventing it. Number one, bloat oil in the water or the second thing is, if you're putting your animals into a, a three-day paddock, um, even if there's only 40 or 50% clover in this ward, the animals in the first two to three hours, they can actually go and select 80% clover in their diet or, or more because they can go and select the clover of the paddock. So in the first grazing, rather than leaving them into the entire paddock, the entire two or three-day paddock, putting up a small, what we call as a breakfast break. So when you're putting them in, you put up a small strip wire the first time, it just removes that large gorging process on the clover, and then you let them onto the paddock. Now, you don't need to do that every time. It's only if you have that four risk period, high clover content, excessively hungry animals, or low pre-grazing covers coming into it. So it's it's just being aware of those risk periods and putting something in place to prevent it rather than having an issue.
2: Mike, you've covered a huge range of detail in that, but for farmers out there, where can they get access to more information on it as a resource?
0: Yeah, so there is a Chagas, like the receding manual, but there's a Chagas white clover booklet that's available on the Chagas website. There is also a series of videos and podcasts, and there's also information on Pasture-Based Ireland. And then there's a Chagas scorecard for um, assessing sport clover content in the paddocks as well. And look, I, I know I probably went through an awful lot of information there, but I think for anyone that has no clover or only looking at putting it in now, try one or two paddocks. Focus on those. Don't do large areas or farm at a time. Do small proportions that you can get it established well on it. You can get those paddocks up and running, manage them correctly, and then increase it the following years. If you're looking at oversewing, make sure you have that criteria in place. And if no paddocks meet that criteria this year, that's fine. Get them in line for next year. And where there is good levels of clover in this world, try and be brave and cut back the chemical fertiliser that you're spreading on it to get the benefit from it. And that's really what it's all about is reducing the level of chemical fertiliser and overall increasing performance and profitability of the system.
2: Thanks to that, Mike. We'll include that link in the show notes. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. Our thanks to Michael for joining us on the show. You can catch up with all other shows and interviews on the Beef Edge podcast and OviCast podcast on the Chuggos website at chuggos.ie or you can listen on Apple, Google Podcasts as well as on Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and follow us so you never miss a show.
1: For all other updates from our Beef and Sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan.
2: And I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for listening.